diners, and especially today in Bybert. You're oh, listening you to. Oh, that's pretty clever. Yeah, clever. You're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig. And uh, as you may have a clue uh, from my intro, um, today's program is going to be on the theme of diverse drinking. <laughs> they yeah, just, some, some, some of them really obscure. Well, you know, I mean, the beverage market is a billion's worth. I mean, yeah, it's a it huge is. market. It is, and, and it's, as we discovered, as we continue to discover, there are quite a number. Quite a number of different directions oh, that, yeah. that one can take so, yeah. in the beverage game. But, so, but, but why don't we just start just out on? with one that, that is distinguished or having a social um, mission as well. And we're going to be talking to um, um, Sarah Stender Delaney, which is a mouthful, I guess, um, about Three Mountains Beverage. And uh, I think in particular we're going to call it silverbackbeverage.com, right? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, we'll listen to her and she'll explain why we're dealing with gorillas. Sarah, um, do you go by your whole name, Sarah Stender Delaney? You recently married, I understand, huh? That's right. Yes, Delaney is my married name, so that is officially my new name. How, How new is it? What's that? How new is your name? Oh, well, so we got married last May, actually. Um, oh, that's pretty here, new. <laughs> yeah, here in Western North Carolina. Yes, it is pretty new. My yeah, husband, um, his name is Eddie Delaney, and he is um, from Long Island. And I grew up in Vermont, um, but we met here in Asheville about five years ago. Really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. We, we interview lots of, lots of people from Vermont because it seems to be the center for artisanal specialty food production. <laughs> and if you, get, if, yeah. you get really lucky, if you get really lucky, like a friend of ours, you inherit a house in Nashville. So, oh, yeah, that is any time you feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's, not built, it's not built more, though. Oh, okay. Now, the, uh, we're going to be talking about your product. Um, mm-hmm. And you, your company is called Three Mountains Beverage. Can you explain what that is, what this is, Sarah? Right. So Three Mountains is the name of the parent company, and we have two consumer packaged good brands. We have a Tima Tea, which is a line of loose leaf tea from Rwanda, and Silverback is our beverage made with Tima Tea, and this was inspired by the Silverback Gorillas in Rwanda. Um, I had the great opportunity to spend some time in the jungle with them when I lived in Rwanda, and it really changed my life. Actually, every everything I've done in Rwanda has really um, made a great positive impact on me, so I wanted to create these products that um, can also give back and make a positive impact in lives and offer healthy alternatives uh, for people looking to have drinks that maybe um, are lower in sugar, made with all natural plant-based ingredients, and offer a nice alternative to, to alcohol when we're out at night. We want to be social and healthy at the same time. Now, what were you doing in Rwanda? It's not exactly... Um... Uh, a, 
a pleasure trip, is it? <laughs> well, I mean, it is it's, for some. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's yeah. not exactly, you know, where you first think of going for a vacation. Let's put it that way. You are, you are correct. Yeah, it is. It's, it's becoming a destination for um, the Gorilla Trek, which is really okay. an exceptional, exceptional experience. And if you've ever seen Gorillas in the Mist. That movie um, took place there. Diana Fossey worked with the gorillas in the 70s, and I think there were 40, between 40 and 50 left at that time, and um, they're coming back. Uh, oh, I was going to ask you that. Are they coming back, huh? No, this, this is, they this are. This is, the lady, this is the lady who essentially adopted a tribe of gorillas, or they adopted her? Yeah. Oh, you, you're talking back. about, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have a cousin who's in South Africa saving the rhinoceros. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess, it, you I know mean, they're such, all of these animals, really, you know, they're, they're such amazing creatures. And it's, it's just really sad that um, we're losing, um, you know, so much wildlife to development and coaching and so yes they're making a comeback but it also requires help um there's there's some great initiatives taking place to make sure that their natural habitat is protected and uh-huh. so how close were you to the uh, gorillas um so you trek out for a day with a guide and you spend an hour with them just sitting um and and they can come to you so they can come up to you and touch you but you you cannot walk up to them so i got pretty close i mean within three feet or so a silverback walked right by me and postured right next to me and i mean it was pretty scary but um yeah, we had some big very big oh yeah yeah i mean <laughs> just amazing it's just so fun to watch them i mean it the baby, there was a woman in my group who oh. actually a baby ran up to her and touched her hair. It was so cute. Oh, I love the way they hold the babies. And, I, I know. Mean, what, what's it like? I mean, this, you know, when you see gorillas, um, I mean, I can't even look at the, the gorillas in the zoo. I can't look at it. No. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, but when you, when you see the, the their um, what you call behavior with their families and stuff is so touching. Mhm. Yeah, it really sweet. is. I mean, just to see, you know, when I first did a safari in East Africa, I was, I felt like I wouldn't be able to go to a zoo again. Just seeing them in their natural habitat, it's it's so different. Um, but you know, there are some zoos doing good things in this country. I know there's. Um, a lot, of, a lot of zoos turning to rehabilitation for animals, yeah. um, which is really um, admirable. And so, but yeah, to see them in the wild is like nothing else. And I just, I absolutely love life in Rwanda. And I originally moved there to manage a restaurant in the capital city called Heaven. And the restaurant was um, created as a mission-driven organization to provide job skills to young adults who had lost their families in the genocide. 
Um, so we were training these genocide survivors, basic job skills, um, customer service. Um, we had a culinary arts training program. So different things to um, help them gain more skills so that they could support themselves. Well, now, was this a church-sponsored mission? No, no. So how did you get hooked up with this this um, tour, um, whatever? You are living there, actually. Yeah, it was a private enterprise that put a job post out there, um, and I replied to the job post because I had always wanted to go to I had wanted to go to Rwanda since I first learned about the genocide. And so this was, um, I mean, the genocide happened in 1994, and um, this job offer came through in 2008, and I arrived the night of President Obama's inauguration speech. I actually arrived in Rwanda the night he was on television in the airport, and um, and everyone in Rwanda was celebrating because he has family from Kenya, and so they saw him as one of them. It was so oh. powerful. Yeah. Well, we so were in Paris, and everybody um, on the metro were celebrating, and in the streets they were celebrating, and they didn't have any relationship to Africa whatsoever. They just were so happy that somebody yeah. like Obama was elected. They're, they're, they're yeah. big signs, right, sweetheart? On all, hmm? on, on all the newsstands. There are newsstands all over the streets in Paris selling newspapers and magazines, and they all, they all had great big posters. Of, of of Obama on on their uh, on their newsstands. Right. What were you quite, doing in really Paris? Quite amazing. I'm I'm not sure we have I'm not sure we have seen quite as much as we as we hoped we might from this, and I suspect that they probably feel the same way. No. Mm. Sarah, what is the crossover in your life with the culinary business? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, you mentioned Vermont um, artisans, and growing up in Vermont, I um, I grew up with a family who really valued farming and growing our own food and living organically and I was that kid who always had like this seedy bread and was like looking to trade it for the Wonder Bread (laughs) 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 you know but I mean now looking back I really really value that you know the way that I was raised and um, we uh, there were many entrepreneurs around you know in the I would say food business Um, my first job in um, middle school was for a family friend's business. Um, it was called Maverick Sugarbush, and they had a gourmet maple syrup product. Actually, they were a member of the Specialty Food Association as well. Um, and so even in high school, I was aware of that association, and I just thought, you know, I, I watched how they built that business and created a factory to sell this premium gourmet organic products made in Vermont, and I was inspired by things like that. Um, and then I started a, a fair trade coffee shop right out of college, actually after my, well, right out of college I worked for a big bank, but I knew I wanted to create something on my own. Um, 
and I was really passionate about fair trade already. That was in 2000. And I started working to learn more about fair trade sourcing. Um, was really, really interested in coffee products at the time. And so it was, it was maybe a bit um, too soon to do something like that in Vermont, but it got me started with, you know, creating my own businesses and, you know, really turned me on to that passion of not only fair trade, but how we can create empowering partnerships with the suppliers and farmers that we work with, whether it's local or global. Well, you, you, your hard work paid off. I mean, it's kind of amazing for a young company to win a new product Sophie Award. Now, how did that? What did you think about that? Were you impressed? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's very surreal. It really, I'm really, really grateful um, that we're given attention. You know, at the early stage, and there's just so many amazing products and companies out there. Um, so it's definitely been a labor of love, and I think sometimes we see new products or, like, new people on the scene and kind of feel like it's happened overnight, but it never does, right? I mean, it's, it's oh, been a no. long journey. <laughs> but and, you, um, you, you wouldn't have had that. I mean, where did you uh, – how did you underwrite this? I mean, you never really had – you're young, you don't have a lot of money. Um, how did you ever venture into this entrepreneurial, especially in the food business, which is a very mm. slim uh, product, mm. a very big market, and a very slim path of opportunity, lots of competition, and not that much of a, a profit margin? Well, I, um, I've worked in restaurants. I've Manage restaurants. It was never my cup of tea um, to be in the restaurant business. I saw how much food was um, wasted. I saw the risk, like that incredible risk in certain food businesses. And I think at one time I might have said, I'm never, you know, whenever a sentence starts with I'm never, you know you're in trouble. But I was like, I'm never going to go into business where we're working with products that could spoil, you know, because I saw that is just way too risky. Um, but you know, I think the beverage industry is a little different. I um, I haven't had alcohol in 14 years, and um, it's really not healthy for me. It's really caused a lot of problems in my extended family, and I wanted to create drinks for local breweries to have a non-alcoholic option on tap, and so. Uh-huh. That's really how Silverback evolved, was this great mission to not only support tea farmers in Rwanda, but also to help people in the U.S. who wanted to go out and be social and not drink alcohol. And, you know, it it started in kegs, and then we had proof of concept that way, and I would attend events and expos and sample as much as I could. And then we started, you know, we found a partner to do our canning. So I really kept a small footprint, I mean, a pretty low overhead um, because we've partnered with a lot of other companies to help make this possible. Um, and so coming into this COVID time, 
I would say I was in probably a better position than if I had grown so fast and invested in my own facilities and hired a lot of people that I was responsible to. I didn't do it that way. And so um, I've bootstrapped it. You know, I've bootstrapped it. I've paid for growth with sales. I've put some of my, you know, it's piecing it together. And I would say the bottom line is just having faith and knowing, like, the funds will show up in time for everything. Um, And it always does. Um, but <laughs> I'm not sure that that's the case, but it worked out well in, in your case. You have uh, one, two, three, four flavors now, do you, of mm-hmm. silver back, which is what we're going to call this product, a carbonated mm-hmm. tea. Um, mm-hmm. And explain what, and we, we know what carbonated is. Um, tell us a little bit about what kind of tea it is that you're carbonating. Um, sure, and I just want to—I just want to finish that one thought because I, I, if anyone's listening who's, you know, an aspiring entrepreneur, I think there was a time that maybe I, I thought having more money to launch the company would be better. But I'm just—I'm actually glad that I Yeah, are you talking directly into your um, your uh, whatever you're talking into phone? Yes, I am. Okay, because you're losing. Um, cut it's cutting out a bit. Oh no, I don't. I'm yeah. not moving. I'm just. I'm in the same spot. You must. You must. You must be enjoying AT and T as their cellular provider. Oh my gosh, <laughs> no, no! I have a different one. <laughs> you have a different one, right? Well, it is. It isn't a whole lot better. Oh really? I'm sorry. Uh, you think yeah. it's on my end? It's interesting. Have you have you heard of Kenyan? Is it purple tea, love? It's called yeah. what? You've heard of Kenyan purple tea? Yeah, I've had it. Yeah, we we talk we talk to someone who makes that, but it's not it's not yeah. carbonated. No, I've tasted the product. Yeah, it's different. It's not, Do you as, like not it? as good as Silverback. Oh, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> No, I, I like I like your I like your tea. I, I do. Thank you. And, yeah, Peter uh, loves your tea, by the way. And the good the good thing about it is, he he keeps the carbonation quite well if you keep it in the refrigerator. Yeah. So I don't yes. I, I don't Thank know how you're I don't know how you're doing that. You must be pumping a lot of CO2 into it. Okay, so yeah, we have four flavors. Um, my classic flavor is made with silver and black tea. And I absolutely love silver tea. It is my, you know, go-to in the morning after my coffee because I do drink coffee too. But I I fell in love with silver tea. When I moved back to the States, I bought some back from Rwanda. And um, it's just very unique. It's very rare. I like that it's not fermented. It's high in antioxidants. It's actually a metabolic boost as well. So um, there's just lots of amazing health properties, but mostly I love the flavor. Um, so I use that in my classic and also my platinum flavor. The platinum is made with white and silver tea with um, just a splash of fresh ginger. Everything's organic. And then uh, we have a, the newest flavor is a green made with hibiscus and green tea and a touch of monk fruit, um, and this is a zero-calorie option. 
And that's uh, why the that's green keto green. Yeah. Yes. And then and we have the harvest gold. Yes, the harvest gold is made with apple juice and black tea. And this is actually my husband's idea. It happened at the last minute. It was this amazing moment. Like, I never would have thought to put those two things together. But it was so, we had both things on the table. And he said, let's try this. And it was awesome. And I love that one because it's kind of for the non-tea drinker. It's kind of for the person who says, yeah, I'm not really a big tea. I don't really want, like, a strong tea flavor. Um, but it's super hydrating. My kids like it. You know, it, I feel okay about children drinking it. It's not a lot of caffeine. Um, mm-hmm. And I usually have that one after a run. You know, Peter is the rare Englishman who doesn't like tea, and he loves your <laughs> that's awesome thank you uh, wow I could for an Englishman who doesn't like tea to like the product I'm so glad because that's kind of how I created it it's like to be honest I'm not like I I didn't know a whole lot about tea before I lived in Rwanda and um I knew a lot about coffee that was like my first love. But the thing is, I can't keep drinking coffee like I used to. And um, I just wanted to make something that, that everyone would like, you know, that like even the non-tea drinker would like. So it's not tea. Heavy. You got one. Just... <laughs> He's a non-tea yeah. drinker. The biggest daughter. Where am I going to be able to maintain my supply? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're in Florida. Well, um, we are in all the fresh market stores. So you're in what? The fresh we, market. We don't. We don't have. We don't have fresh market. We have. We have Whole Foods. We don't have fresh market. Okay. Uh, well, do you have a? Can you do it on the internet? Can on your website? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You can order um, silverbackbeverage.com, and I will give you a um, free shipping code. Um, and we can put that in your show notes. I'll provide a code for free shipping. Um, and when you order a case, there is a, a pretty significant discount online. Well, that's good. And your you website is? Silverbackbeverage.com. Silverback. What? Beverage. Beverage. Beverages. Beverage. No, just right? beverage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Singular beverage. Singular dot com. Mm-hmm. Okay, got that. So we'll put that out, and um, yeah, and uh, I have your email address. And we're not going to give that out. <laughs> you don't need to have that. <laughs> and yeah, and I mean, do you have plans on expanding your product line, or um, yes, mean, yes, and yes, besides so, um, teas or just flavors. Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm going into a new new product development next week. I have um, three new recipes that I'm uh, – it's just a matter of timing on when we release those. And um, I'm going to include a decaf option as well. Uh, we have a small farm in Rwanda where we're growing botanicals. Um, I do a lot of work with Tulsi, and we have – a resiliency tea blend, which is made with Tulsi lemongrass and um, another ingredient. And I, I do want to eventually do more work with 
um, herbals. And, um, you know, sky is the limit in terms of the, the product lines that we can develop under the Three Mountains umbrella. It's primarily a tea-based company, but it doesn't mean that we won't be working with other ingredients, um, especially if our partners are producing, you know, different agricultural products that can really make a difference and benefit people's health and also help, you know, economies in the communities that we partner with. Right. We, we just got a, um, an email about if we wanted to collaborate with a, a, a company called, um, so-called um, Naked Nutrition. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's what proteins and supplements using the purest raw ingredients without any added sugar, artificial mm-hmm. flavors, or colors. And they look mm-hmm. around for people to uh, collaborate with. Sounds like it mm-hmm. might be rather boring. <laughs> Their mm-hmm. specialty is whey protein and collagen protein. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, this industry is so exciting. It's never, there's never a dull moment. You know, there's really cool products every day coming out. And I guess my journey as an entrepreneur has been um, really to focus. And I feel very focused now. Um, I would say, you know, five years ago, there were probably six or seven product lines I wanted to develop. So my, my discipline work has been focused on just this. Um, and this is enough. So um, I think in the beverage industry, it's pretty cutthroat, you know, pretty competitive. Um, oh, yeah. My goal is really to go national with this, with these products within the next year. We're partnering with UNFI now. And um, so it's, you know, everyone talks about it's one thing to get on the shelf. It's another thing to get off the shelf. And so right now right. my work is really how do we um, – really, really guarantee that we'll move off the shelf quickly and really um, have successful partnerships with our with our retailers and build brand recognition um, around the country. Well, I mean, your presentation is, is wonderful. The packaging is very, very um, enticing. I mean, not even attractive. Mm-hmm. It's really, yeah, um, I mean, it's beautiful and so I think you're off to a really good start. And we've learned a lot about the, um, health issues, haven't you? Yeah, the health issues, yeah. And nutrition, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's really flavor first. I mean, I'm I'm very much into health and fitness, and um, but I think something has to taste good first, and then... Um, you know, we'll keep coming back to it for the taste, but hopefully it's healthy and good for us too. I just, um, there's a, you know, there's a lot of um, kind of trendy, healthy things coming into the market, and I love that. Um, but it's like I don't want to be too extreme with, like, healthy flavor profiles because um, I think – this is a drink for celebrating as well, you know. I, As someone who doesn't drink alcohol and has often gone on, like, extreme diets where I cut food groups out of my 
diet, I, I'm looking for more of like a balance now and I'm looking for what can I like have that feels like a treat or a celebration or it's just like so exciting for my taste buds, even on a daily basis and not worry about it. And I think especially now, you know, with people staying at home, like what can be something fun to drink that's going to still, like I'm going to feel good after. I'm not going to be hungover. I'm not going to feel bloated. I'm not going to um, feel guilty. You know, that's that's kind of the impetus behind all this. No, it's, it's probably the, the most important segment of specialty food going today, by the way, with the healthful mm. components, yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish you so much uh, success, Sarah Stender Delaney. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, and 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 you you have it from Peter's mouth, and he adores the product. So that's a good recommendation. Oh, thank you so much, well, Peter. Yeah, you guys. I will be sending you more product, and um, you know where to find me. I will make sure. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you very much in anticipation. Uh, have, have a wonderful life. Because we'll be right back after a short break. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Back. Next up is, is a beverage I happen to be really fond of. Um, we're going to be talking to uh, Charlie Birkinshaw about his company, Element Shrub. He'll give us the backstory, uh, the history, and all about this drink. Of course, I drink apple cider vinegar. We're ready. We're actually going to pay the, play the table. Yes, I think so. Oh, Charlie Birkinshaw from Element Shrub. Somebody once told me, if you're telling a story, start at the beginning. So my first question is, what is a shrub? <laughs> Give us our history. It, it's a very good question, and you are definitely not not the first to ask. Um, no. Yeah. So so shrubs uh, in in this context, um, not the landscaping kind, um, are a, uh, essentially a combination of vinegar, fruit, and sugar. Uh, and so you let the fruit macerate in the sugar, add the vinegar, and then you're left, um, you strain out the fruit, and you're left with this sort of product that is sort of both acidic, sweet, and uh, kind of complex and interesting, depending on the different herbs and spices that you could also add into it. But at a ver- very basic level, fruit, vinegar, and sugar. I love them. I love shrubs. But go ahead. How did you get started on these? Yeah, so um, so kind of two worlds collided at the same time. Uh, My wife and I were living outside of Boston, and she had gotten involved in this group that foraged fruit from people's backyards and sort of this, this nonprofit and just kind of a way to get involved in the community. And it essentially became sort of our master class in fruit preservation, and so we made everything from jam, jelly, pie, hard apple cider, <laughs> you name it, um, and and then we would give 10% of whatever product we made back to the owner of the tree, 
uh, and then the rest would just be split amongst the people who helped can or pick or do whatever. And um, yeah, and and at some point we had realized we made enough jam to feed an army, and we're looking for kind of different ways to use <laughs> this fruit that we had found, right? And um, and so somebody in the group sort of suggested shrubs, and at that time we had never heard of them before, and so we looked it up, started exploring, used um, local crab apples, that was the first shrub that we ever made, and some cinnamon, I think, and, um, and the result was this really cool kind of drink that was you know, had a little bit of everything, right? It had the acid, had the sweet, had like a little cinnamon flavor. And, um, and at the same time, my wife was pregnant and, with our first, our daughter. And um, these are your kids on the brochure? Yes, yes. They're adorable, <laughs> absolutely adorable. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so our, I could squeeze both of them. They're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> we are very lucky, yes. And... Um, yeah, and so she was pregnant and looking for something that was kind of that was non-alcoholic, but also kind of really interesting and complex and more exciting than just you know unsweetened iced tea, but <laughs> you know or water, uh, but healthier than you know soda or you know some of the other things that are out there. So now hold hold yeah. on just a second, Charlie, sure. because there's a traditional beverage, traditional in your part of the country, I think called a switchel that was yes. popular in the and I, I I looked up just to get myself prepared to ask this question and question the answer. Looked up what the difference is between a shrub and a switchel on Google and my phone. But perhaps perhaps you can give yeah, us a good explanation no, I mean, and, and explain why it is you think you invented something when in fact it's been around for four hundred years. <laughs> Yeah, so, so absolutely we did not invent it. Um, it, it it's sort of our a, a modern twist on what exactly people have been doing for a long time. And I would say that shrubs and switchels are kind of like brothers and sisters. Um, they're, they're very similar in terms of the types of ingredients that are used. So typically apple cider is the base. Shrub is typically sugar. Switchel is typically maple syrup. Um, and then typically switchel was like a very specific, like lemon, apple cider vinegar, um, sometimes ginger, and then um, maple syrup. Whereas shrubs can be, have a little more variety to them, typically fruit and uh, you know, a variety of fruit. And the other thing I would say is that, you know, right now the landscape of shrub versus switchel is almost a, like they're, they're interchangeable. Um, but if you were to kind of look back when we started 2013, nobody would ever make a, a switchel concentrate and nobody would ever make a shrub soda when we started. But now you're starting to see, you know, either switchel concentrates and switchel diluted, which is typically how switchel is, you know, consumed, whereas shrubs in the past they've always they've always been in sort of their concentrate form and like mixed with seltzer or mixed into a cocktail um but now you're starting to see more people you know diluting them and presenting kind of the world with you know sparkling ready to drink shrubs i was kind of curious as to why after they're open you have to um, refrigerate them i can't imagine any bacteria or germ of any sort um living in 
so so much vinegar. Yeah, no, I mean you make a good point, um, and and honestly, that is um, that is the one requirement the FDA has for us. So I'm going to let them answer that question, but I have left <laughs> drugs out for a long time. I get uh, it. Well, and, uh, hold on, and I hold think on, honestly, just, oh, go ahead. Hold on, hold on just a second, because I want I wanted to in, introduce something else that I think I heard when someone talked to us about Switchell for the first time, and that was the, one of the great things about it was it was thirst quenching, even when even when you took it, a bucket of it out into the fields when you when you were harvesting or something like that. Yeah, I mean that's what I find like one of the greatest benefits of both shrubs and switchels. I mean, when we yeah. made shrubs, we would dilute them with seltzer water and switchel is typically already diluted in its sort of traditional form. And yeah, I mean, I would say the number one reaction people give me when they talk about sort of our shrubs, when they're mixed with seltzer is, wow, this is really refreshing. Now, now a, shr- a, sh- a shrub, shrubs existed before you made them though, isn't it? I mean, isn't, Absolutely. Isn't, yep. isn't, isn't it like a piece of bartender lore uh, that, that to make some cocktails? You, yeah, so you muddle, the, the you muddle history, fruit. Yeah, it's, it's a little it's a little complicated, and it has sort of there's both. Um, I mean, you can go back either just to just sort of you know colonial America, colonial you know England, like, or you can go further back um, to like the 1500s, 1600s, where there were, I mean, this was before um, refrigeration, right? And so uh, one of the great things about shrubs is that the, the vinegar helped provide that sort of natural preservative. Uh, but you would see, obviously, back in the day before refrigeration, these shrubs were more alcoholic, right? Uh, because Got it. Okay. they didn't have, you know, refrigeration to keep them from developing alcohol. Um, right. Well, you know, the, they're very popular now because of the apple cider component. They're promoting that as um, a, a way to lose weight. <laughs> Did you know that? Sorry, I, I ju- um, it just switched over. Can I? I don't know. The, um, Would you mind saying that again? <laughs> yeah. The. Uh, they, uh, right now, um, they've been promoting apple cider vinegar as as a, uh, a weight loss um, drink, you know, have sure. assistance. Yeah, I mean, my feeling my feeling about that is, you know, when we started the, the program um, or when we started the product, uh, it was it was really to provide my wife with a you know healthier more interesting complex alternative with a bonus of having like having really clean ingredients um, and apple cider vinegar helping with digestion helping with nausea um, things like that but as I think right at the end of the day um, like just if you take apple cider vinegar shots in the morning and then you eat ice cream all day <laughs> you're probably not going to lose weight right like <laughs> Right, right, like everything in moderation, and so um, that's kind of how we've like approached approached that that concept, right? Like, it's great if you stay healthy otherwise, uh-huh. um, and 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 I I can speak from experience doing you know a lot of 
shows and farmers markets and, and things like that where, you know, the farmers markets go from like 11 to 4 and I have no time to eat lunch, but I will just like sip on the samples that, you know, nobody drinks or, you know, the little extra in the bottle. And I have found that it does at least for me, which I think is the, the like it doesn't necessarily cause you to lose weight, but helps kind of stave off hunger, which hopefully, you know, uh-huh. reduces future weight gain, right? <laughs> now, why, why elements? Does that make sense? Why yeah, elements is the name? It's a very, seems like an unusual name. The, the what, what's an unusual name? Element. Yeah, it I mean, so... It sounds like hydrogen and oxygen and... We have a restaurant in town called Element, which I thought yeah, was an I, odd name. <laughs> you know, it, it, it honestly, it came down to when we started the company. Um, there were not a lot of, at the time at least, not a lot of companies making, at least in the cocktail sort of mixer world, making products that had sort of a combination of flavors. It was like tonic. It was grenadine. It was some kind of simple syrup or, or some kind of shrub, but it was only one note, right? It was like a lemon shrub or a cherry shrub. And, and for us, we wanted to do kind of this unique combination of two products that were kind of familiar on their own, but when you put them together, they were a little bit different and a little bit intriguing. So like honeydew on its own, people know what a honeydew is. People know what a jalapeno is. But when you put them together, it's like, oh, like, I never thought of that. That's really weird. Um, maybe I should try it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so it, it sort of came out about this um, sort of this literal idea of, okay, we've got some sort of fruit plus some sort of herb and spice. And, you know, at the time, also, there seemed to be a trend towards sort of this, like, apothecary kind of design of, like, these dusty bottles that were, uh-huh. you know, had been on the shelf, right? Those shrubs kind of have that, um, you know, harken back to that old era kind of thing. And and I realized, wait, I'm creating this for my pregnant wife. I don't want it to look dirty or, like, be brown. I want it to feel, like, bright and clean and sexy and refresh. And so we sort of took that idea of sort of apothecary, science kind of, you know, thing and combine it with these sort of fresh, bright colors, real fresh fruit, different herbs and spices. And and somehow that is kind of what it evolved into. But <laughs> uh, Well, you know, this is yeah. how um, Hint Water got started when she was pregnant and got tired of not having anything interesting to drink. And, you know, it's now a leader in this field, flavored water. Very light yeah. yeah. No. I mean, no, and I, we've seen we've seen a lot of people who, um, you know, who really love our products because, you know, well, number one, they're non-alcoholic on their own, and then also that they can kind of just mix them with seltzer. And one of the other reasons we wanted to make the flavors so kind of different and interesting on their own was that it just made your life easier rather than you know, finding blood orange juice and carrot juice and, you know, <laughs> saffron and other things, right? Like now it's just all mixed in one bottle and all you have to do is add seltzer, right? And is it, were you in the specialty food market before this? Uh, no, actually. This or is the my beverage first. industry? No, I, I have, I, this is my first and uh, I guess only project <laughs> uh, 
uh, only, only business in the in the food and beverage world. So um, I've always enjoyed hospitality, and while we were in Boston, uh, ended up kind of throwing a couple pop-up dinners for for friends to kind of showcase and experiment, um, you know, different kinds of shrubs that we were using on the menu. Uh-huh. But um, but professionally, this is the the only uh, the only product I have I have sold, and uh, it's been it's been a roller coaster, and I I absolutely love it. <laughs> I what did you myself. do before? Now, where, where, where uh, do you so live I, now, Charlie? Are you in the country or? Yeah, so we live outside of D.C. in Arlington, Virginia. Um, we lived in D.C. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, Crazy uh, place. <laughs> it is. I grew up in Annapolis, and so we're we're 45 minutes away from, from home, sure, which is sure. the, the perfect distance to be able to go for the weekend, see each other, and then, and then go home. And, you know, <laughs> you're not in each other's face all the time, but you can see each other whenever you want. So, <laughs> who, who comes up um, with all the who comes up with all the clever names? Like, uh, you, so have, you I, have an official, have an official name. Credit for that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we we we've come up with all of the flavors. I developed all of the flavors myself. Um, the combinations, the the actual recipes, etc. And so, yeah, it's been um, it's I mean definitely a, a passion of mine to kind of work on that like that creative side of it and um yeah i've I've really enjoyed that that part of the business for sure you you have one called cool cool hand kook yes i (laughs) like that with with apologies to paul newman right yes yes i uh i am a sucker for for puns and uh and probably bad dad jokes so oh there uh, we go (laughs) yeah um but I, I always like to. Uh, I, I do. I, I really like the deconstruction process as well uh, of thinking about drinks because one of the interesting thing about things about shrubs in in terms of cocktails is there are no, you know, shrub as an ingredient is not an ingredient used in any sort of traditional cocktail, and so you always have to adapt to, you know, something else. It's, it's essentially your sweet and your sour component in a cocktail, right? It's like having lemon juice and simple syrup with a little twist because, you know, if we get kind of nerdy about it, right, it's acetic acid from the vinegar instead of citric acid, um, which has a different kind of mouthfeel to it. Uh, And so we have to sort of adapt to these traditional recipes, um, like the Negroni becomes the Vinegroni. uh, (laughs) And... uh, and, and so, like, subbing in our shrubs for either sweet vermouth or for the sour component to a margarita or uh, or the sweet and sour component in, in certain situations, um, you know, in a whiskey sour. But, uh, Does it do anything to your teeth enamel? You know, it's a very good question. Um, I think, you know, I, I, tell, I recommend that people do not drink it straight, that you should always dilute it. Um, I will tell you in 20 years if my teeth are still here uh, because I have probably consumed the most of it. Uh, yeah, of, I've, of I've been drinking it straight also. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I've, I've just heard that it tends to both burn your burn your teeth and your esophagus if you drink it straight for, for a long time. And, like, if you can mix it with a little no good. soda or water, then, you know, why not? Uh, makes it go down a little easier as well. 
but um, yeah. Now, where 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 do you expect people get some of your more obscure ingredients, like a tomatillo juice? Yeah, or, or, <laughs> right there. Or butterfly pea flour. Yeah, so we do. We do. I agree. Push the limit. Lavender, bit lavender bitters. <laughs> uh, we do push the, the the limits. I think on on some of our ingredients. I agree. Uh, but I think you know one of the other interesting things we're trying to do, uh, especially with non-alcoholic drinks, is make them taste you know as interesting and be as exciting, if not more exciting, than their alcoholic counterpart, uh, because. You know, tomatillo juice. Most of the time, when I say juice, it's basically you're taking the fruit and putting it in a Vitamix and pureeing it and calling it a day and straining it sometimes. But because you already did the work anyway, right? Because the yeah. the honeydew jalapeno shrub has four ounces of tomatillo juice, but you already have that in there in your little well, bottles. We we don't have the tomatillo juice in there, no, but. Oh, you don't. Okay. So, so that that recipe is sort of a like a twist on a you know Bloody Mary, right? And so, what I would do is I would take tomatillos, put them in a blender, either you know set aside four ounces of that, and then add the shrub to the tomatillo juice along with you know a little bit of horseradish, a little bit of uh, lime juice, and then you kind of. No, tomatillos aren't doing so swell this year, actually. You know, I don't want to leave this conversation. So we mentioned um, all these awards you've gotten. I mean, you must be really thrilled. I mean, I'm it's, looking at the 2018 yeah. Sophie Award winner, uh, Good Food Award winner, uh, Sophie Award again in 2019, um, the IFMA Award uh, in 2019, Good Food Award in 2020, um, and you, you were up for the best craft cocktail mixer in the USA by USA Today, and and we got a notice that we could vote daily yes. until September yes. 4th. Yes, we can vote daily until Monday, I believe. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Monday so at noon. Be out well, so then. last year, last year we were also nominated and. We just missed the first place, uh, Mark. We came oh, in second wow. last year. And so this year um, what they do is we were first place going into this weekend, and then what they do is they turn the leaderboard off so that nobody knows what's happening over the weekend, yeah. and it's all a mystery. And so now is when I'm hoping everybody votes so that we can just make sure without knowing where we are you know, like you're like, oh, I'm in second. Let me send out another newsletter. Let me like text all my friends, right? And you know, hope everybody votes. <laughs> um, and so now it's now it's a mystery. And you know, obviously our fingers are crossed because you know I think this would just be a great um, a great thing. But yeah, I don't know. Over the years, it's been I. I mean, I pinch myself every time. I think you know, our products are. I I I always think they're good, and I'm obviously biased. But when you know other people say like wow this is amazing and yeah it's the best of you know everything we tried out of you know hundreds thousands of things i i, I like i'm in shock i don't know <laughs> um, so what does yeah. your wife think what she's the muse I mean, she's 
she's happy. She's <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, I think you know it's it's been over over the last six years we haven't had like a PR person, right, or a mark like a you know, and so these awards have I think helped to give us some kind of free PR, not free, but like free PR along the way to just I, you know when you're a small brand like legitimizing. Um, you know, your products with an award from a very respectable, you know, organization, I think, you know, is, has been incredibly helpful for us. So well, that's, that's good. Really so many of these organizations and these awards programs, which I refer to as listables, <laughs> are, are going south. <laughs> We're not getting the beer results this year. They didn't do the, the change in the, the whole format of the 50 best restaurants. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like all over the place. It's, um, hey, hey, Charlie. And once, you sign, up, once you sign up for one award, you get emails from every every other award possible out there. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know you could do this. And uh, sometimes I'm a little skeptical of the, the, the companies that give out awards, but they don't taste your product. Um, mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> Charlie. Tell, tell our listeners about a shrub for a shrub. Yeah, so this is actually a. Uh, I mean, it frankly started as a joke, uh, like a year and a half ago, because you know, early on, we would, I mean, and still even today, uh, you know, we get phone calls from these, you know, SEO people that are that think we are a landscaping company and are trying to tell us, hey, you have to be at the top of your Google results because there's so many landscaping companies in our in your area. Like, okay. don't you care about this? And I'm like, can't you guys do, like, a little bit of research and, <laughs> like, realize that this is not who we are? Um, and and so, you know, I just decided, you know what, like, let's just own this. And, and do something good at the same time. And, uh, you know, I think sustainability is something that we are, we're really passionate about. Um, this, and so I thought, you know what, let's, let's make a joke, but do something serious and call it a shrub for a shrub where, you know, we plant a tree for every bottle of, of shrub that we sell for our website and kind of let's see what happens. And so uh, we've been working with, like, the Arbor Day Foundation and some other uh, nice. groups. To, uh, to to help do that for us, um, we don't own a rainforest ourselves and uh, and can't can do it. But you know, partnering with these organizations allows us to uh, to, to do that. And um, yeah, and then you know, we we're like this is a great thing to do, but we also we also want to do more. And we have this other really interesting project. Um, that we're doing with this local distillery in Maryland, in Frederick, uh, where, uh, so as I mentioned earlier, shrubs are basically fruit, vinegar, and sugar. You put them together, you're left with this um, kind of syrup at the end, and then you've got this leftover fruit mash. And so what we do is we we donate the fruit mash to this distillery, and then they use the tails of their whiskey that would otherwise go to waste, and they make uh, cordials with it. Um, That's so they good. Like that, that they're pretty cordial. good too, huh? Yeah. In fact, they. It was really funny. Like our chai pear won a Sophie Award in 2019, and the 
spiced pear cordial that they make also won an award at, you know, one of the distilling kind of award competitions. And so uh, it was just nice to see that uh, yeah, carry on. Great. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Um, yeah, and just a great way to kind of upcycle fruit that would otherwise go to waste. And, um, yeah. And you're also having a wonderful time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the best part, right? <laughs> that's great. Well, we certainly enjoyed talking to you. And um, are, do you have a, a – on your website, do you um, take orders? Yes. So we are open. I mean, just to be clear, we are we are open. Uh, we are – our website is the best place to, to order right now. Um, we, I am also, you know, at home with kids who are, you know, doing school virtually and relevant for the time, right? And um, yeah. so we're, we're, we're shipping all over the U.S. And, uh, yeah, elementshrub.com is the, is the website. You can also find us on Instagram at elementshrub where we post recipes, share news, et cetera. Uh, and, yeah. That's the best place to find it. Element, shrub, singular, plural. Uh, singular, so E-L-E. Dot com. Dot com, yeah. Great, well, let, let's, let's, let's all survive the pandemic by drinking a lot of element shrub. Hey, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm all thank for you. that. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Ann and Peter, thank you. I really appreciate thank it. Charlie, Okay, well, we're going to finish out today's program with what the Scots would call a drop of the hard stuff. I tell you, what a discovery this is. Um, I mean, this is Equiano Rum has won all kinds of awards, including recently. Let's listen to their story. Oh, all right. You know, we have a lot to talk about with our next guest, Ian Burrell. (laughs) Ian Burrell, who's the Global Rum Ambassador and co-founder of Equiano Rum which is fabulous. First of all, I think maybe, Ian, you could explain to us what that means. Uh, well, the, yeah, it's a rum. It's Equiano rum. It's the, uh, the world's first uh, African and Caribbean rum. And, uh, and when we say that, it's, it's, it's a blend of rums from the African continent. And we take the rum and we send it to the Caribbean, which is seen as the epicenter of the rum world. Right, um, right. So we send it to Bar. Yeah, we send it to Barbados where it's blended by the award-winning um, uh, rum maker, uh, Richard Seal from the Four Square Distillery. And uh, we bottle it there, and then we send it out to the rest of the world. <laughs> so now, uh, talk, that's why. When you talk, mm. you talk about the African continent, mm. the, the information we got said the place, their actual place is Mauritius, which, Correct. Which, isn't yes. on, which isn't on the continent of Africa. It's sort of somewhere in the Indian Ocean, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the Indian Ocean, but just like um, just like Hawaii is part of the United States of America, uh, Mauritius and Seychelles and Madagascar, uh, uh-huh. Reunion Island, and a lot of the satellite islands that are not on the main part of Africa are still part of the African continent. Um, oh, sure, so you have sure, a big no, landmass. Yeah, yeah. I was just just but you yourself are, are, <laughs> you are en- English-born and uh, uh, native, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's funny. It, it's funny as, as as Brits, we 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 sometimes don't see ourselves as Europeans. So it's funny how the conversation came up because, uh, um, as you know, in, in in the United Kingdom, we vote we voted to a Brexit to Europe. Europe. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> so, uh, about it. Uh, <laughs> Dumbest yeah. thing I ever heard. <laughs> 
It's almost as dumb as our electric. Yeah, like, Ooh, I, won't, I won't go there. I won't go there, but you could be right. Yeah, I'll go there. <laughs> Every day brings another horrifying. <laughs> almost, right. almost enough to make you want to drink rum. <laughs> oh, lot, oh, lot, oh, lots of it. Lots of it. Lots of uh, it. Yep. No, since we've, we've had people on the program before talking about rum. And so, some people stress the fact that, that their rum is made directly from sugar cane or sugar okay. extracted from, ra, rather than from another substance which is a derivative. Mm-hmm. Well, our rums, um, see, uh, most, most rums around the world, um, I, would, I would conservatively guess about 90% of rums around the world are made from molasses, as you know, uh, the byproduct right, right, of making which, sugar. Which is, a, which is um, itself a byproduct, right? Yeah, correct. But you are seeing uh, um, a big upturn in rums being made from fresh cane juice, and a lot of that is to do with uh, the price of sugar going down. So there's no need to grow sugar cane um, for sugar and then making rum. So a lot of a lot of countries and companies are actually going straight to crushing the cane juice and making the rum from the juice um, as such. Now that has been the case in the French in the French colonies. Um, say Guadeloupe and um, Martinique. Um, that that has been that's been a situation for over hundred, uh, hundreds of years, and it's funny because in Mauritius, where part of Equiano rum is from, um, half of the distilleries there still make their rums from fresh sugarcane juice, and the other yeah. half will make their rums from molasses. So, yeah, so they'll, they'll make both styles of rums, rums that are that have that old French colonial aspect of of making rum or rums from molasses, which was always attributed to um, the old ex-English colonies. Sure. Now, the, now the, the, ori- the original, I guess, claims to be a company called Mount Gay, which is in Barbados. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mount Gay. Uh, it's funny. They, they, I mean, um, they have. Them, they, didn't we? we did. The we oldest did. rum makers in the world or something. Yeah. We also, yeah. We also, we also interviewed a more relatively modern guy who's from Puerto Rico. Oh right, okay, right. yeah, we yeah. Did, yeah. And, and, and I think I think he was make, he was making from cane juice. Okay, okay. In a, in a uh, new rum that he was la- that he was launching. Oh, perfect. I mean, I'm very fortunate as as the only only ambassador for the category of rum. I get to work with many many different rum brands and in many countries. So I've worked in Puerto Rico and I and of course I work in Barbados as well uh, with many great rum brand, rum brands that are out there, and that's. For me, the, the beauty of the category is the diversity of it, is the fact you can get a really well, light exactly flavor. What exactly do you rum. do, Ian? I mean, when you say you work with, what exactly do you do? Um, so I can, I can be in, say, Australia or, um, or Asia doing talks and presentations for various different rum brands. And I'll, t- I'll speak to consumers. I'll speak to bartenders and industry um, professionals. And I'll also work directly with the rum brands themselves as a consultant. So um, I'll use my years of experience of knowing oh. um, what consumers are looking for in a rum, uh, or give them some ideas. So, um, so yeah, so more of a more of a uh, putting my uh, well, being that that pulse um, to what consumers may want for from a particular rum brand. And uh, yeah, and I and I'll consult for the various rum 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 brands that are out there. But then, because of my bartending background, background, I'll I'll be involved with bartenders. I'll work with bartenders 
um, create cocktails or judge cocktail competitions um, to test them out on their rum knowledge as well as their cocktail knowledge. So um, more of a more of a like a, a voice for the rum category um, that is utilized by various different brands around the world. And you get to drink a lot, huh? <laughs> yeah, I get to drink a lot, or as I say, I, as I say, I get to sample. I get to sample a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like. <laughs> Hold, hold on a minute. You used to do something else. Yes, oh no, which is, un- which is unusual for a Brit anyway, and certainly <laughs> unusual for a Brit rum specialist. So, mm-hmm. so tell tell us how you got from being a basketball player. Oh <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so again, um, <laughs> it's funny. No, again, in school, um, being a being a Jamaican. Um, I, I hated the cold weather, so um, so I was very good at football uh, or soccer, as you guys call it over there. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was always cold. It was always cold and raining. So I turned. I went to play another sport that was a bit more warmer, and because basketball was indoors, <laughs> um, I got introduced to basketball um, by uh, one of my one of my sports coaches, and I and I apparently felt I was really good. In fact, <laughs> I, good enough to actually uh, for a few years later got to represent my country and played for England a couple of times. Really? Um, basketball yeah. and play, and play, yeah, and play professionally in the league over here. Um, but um, basketball was always fun, but it How wasn't professionally enough. Me, yeah, I'm, I'm quite short. I'm I'm one meter eighty six, so um, so that's like six foot two. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. so you, so yeah, you six, don't play center. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I was no, I was playing I was playing more point point guard or off guard uh, number okay. two. It's a smaller league in the UK, so being six foot two. Although I might seem tall in the UK, if I was playing against some of my uh, American counterparts, oh, I'd be one of the guys. Oh, you're all tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was always, I was always the quickest. I was always the quickest on the court. Curiously enough, somebody, <laughs> we were having a conversation with somebody the other day, and we got to mm. talking about short, short guys who play in the NBA here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Muggsy, Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy Bogues, five, legend. Five, Five yeah. feet seven inches tall. Yeah, there was um, a Webb. He actually won a dunk about Dr. Fauci? He was the uh, captain of his uh, college um, <laughs> basketball team, and he's about what five six. <laughs> wow! Wow! This, this, so, so you, this, is uh, the, this is the spokes, the main spokesperson on the uh, on the pandemic coronavirus. Yeah. 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 I I always I. Always, Always used to say that basketball is not about how big you are or tall you are; it's how big your heart is. So, uh, if you've got a big heart man. and you work hard, um, then size size is nothing. <laughs> now, talk talk to us a little bit more about the characteristics of of your. Well, first of all, before we go there, the mm. the naming of the rum is, is has an interesting. Oh yeah, that's interesting. In and of itself, right? Yeah. So, um, tell us who that was. Yeah, sure. So. Alauda Equiano, who we named the rum after, was the first um, African to actually have his um, autobiography published in the 18th century. He was, um, he was enslaved in, in Africa when he was about 11. He was brought to Barbados and then sent over to Virginia. And then from Virginia, he came over to the UK. And uh, coincidentally, this is the same journey that our rum makes. Our rum makes, um, leaves Africa. How it goes to Barbados. Yeah, and we bottle in Barbados and purpose in, and we send rums to the U.S. and we send rums to the U.K. So it makes the same journey as Alauda Recuano did. Now, as a as a 
uh, an African. He was also um, um, a pioneer because he was one of the first, not only the first to write his um, autobiography, he also bought his own freedom by selling rum. So by the time he was 21, 22, he was a free man um, because he sold rum and spices in the Caribbean. So he was an entrepreneur. Um, um, he was a revolutionist in that respect. But his book um, went on to inform the Slave Act in 1807 because it inspired a lot of the abolitionists um, in the UK. So um, he was a very important part um, of the, histor- the history of the abolition of slavery. And so we thought we'd pay homage to him by um, naming our rum after him. Um, and it was it was funny because when we were coming up with a name for the actual brand, it was like, wow, the rum actually makes that same journey from oh, Africa to great. the Caribbean. Um, so it, it felt like it was a it was a light bulb moment. Um, so it's it good, and it's, it's good because there's some people that will drink the rum and enjoy it and taste it, and then ask what the name is about, and they discover a Lauda Recreano, and they're and they're surprised that they'd never heard of him before, or they're very interested in his story. So um, I love telling stories. I love I love learning and sharing um, sharing ideas, and I felt that was cool. Uh, if I was going to get involved and do a brand myself, as opposed to just being an independent ambassador, it would have to be something that was going to tell a great story. And then that's what an Equiano does and, and, and is. And, and that's what an edu, edu trainer does. Ed, oh, the edutainer. Yeah. I do believe in uh, making people laugh and smile when I'm telling stories or, um, or if I'm trying to educate uh, people. So I feel that's one of the easiest ways to learn something if you've got a smile on your face because uh, I always enjoyed the, the subjects I enjoyed at school were the subjects that made me feel good. Um, so uh, I, I feel that's one of the best ways to actually teach teach someone to make them smile, make them laugh, and make them feel good about what they're learning. Now you you've won just more than a few prizes for, <laughs> for this wonderful substance. Tell tell, yeah. tell our listeners about some of the things you're proudest of in that arena. Yeah, well, I mean it's. As I say, it's when we when we enter into tasting competitions, and tasting competitions are always subjected to the individual judges. So, um, so we we wanted to order, um, enter a, a selection of competitions, but there are there are a few competitions that I respect, and one of them is uh, the International Spirit Challenge. Another is the yes. International Wine and Spirit Challenge, both based in yes. London, and then you have uh, San Francisco, and you also have the Concord Mondial, which is. Um, a, a huge competition which has over 100 judges that are each experts in their own rights, in their own spirits uh, categories, and that travels around the world. And we've been fortunate to win gold medals in all four of those um, competitions. Um, so it means that uh, there is something about the liquid that the professionals enjoy and taste. Um, and if that translates into consumers uh, enjoying it as well, then uh, like it has over the last eight months since we've been, since we've been on the market, um, then um, it means it means it bodes well for the actual brand. So uh, yeah, so we're very very proud to our little our little brand has won four international gold medals in its first in its first year um, of, of of being out there, and uh, and long may it continue. Now you've got we talked we talked a little bit ago about uh, molasses versus cane juice, but yes. you, you have mm-hmm. you have another you have another major differentiator in in your rum. In the in the aging process, Just, um, yeah. Well, yeah, we our yeah our rum is 100% um, aged in the tropics. So um, our our Mauritian rum actually starts off in ex cognac cask and ex limousine French oak casks. 
um, and limousine oak um, and French oak um, or cognac cask will give a different type of flavor profile on, on a rum. Um, much more I can spicy taste the, note. Uh, I can taste the uh, cognac yeah, in the sample yeah. we had, yeah. Yeah, you get that spicy note, that little dryness, dried fruit um, as such. So that's aged for a minimum of 11 years um, in, in the tropical climate of, of, of Mauritius in, on, on the east coast of the, of the, the main part of Africa. Um, mm. Now, when you're aging rums in a, in a, in a climate, a tropical climate like that, the angel share, which is the evaporation of liquid through the pores of your wood, is much more rapid than if you would age in a, yeah, a spirit in a cooler climate. So, say, say Scotch whiskey. Scotch whiskey is losing about 2 to 3% of its whiskey every year in the cool climates of Scotland. Um, uh, but the, the rum in Mauritius is losing about, uh, you're losing about 8% of your Mauritian rum every year through evaporation. Wow. So, it's a, so it's aging two to three times faster than a Scotch whiskey. Um, so 11 years in a tropical climate, could, you could say that's like, You'd have to, to get that flavor profile, you'd need to age your product, that same product in Scotland for 30 years. Um, and it's the same as in Barbados. Barbados, our rum there is aged for about eight years, a minimum of eight years, in once-used bourbon casks. So, um, so as you know, with bourbon, they can only use those barrels once. Those casks are then sent around the world. Some end up in the Caribbean. Um, Four-square rum in Barbados age their rums um, in those American oak, once-used bourbon casks. And then our Equiano rum is a blend of both rums, the cognac cask rum and the American oak rum. Um, and uh, what you have in your glass, uh, what you have as your sample is the, the, uh, the marriage and the combination of both styles of rums. It's good. It's, it's, it's really interesting. We, we've had conversations about, about why, why the Scots age in used barrels. Mm, mm. We, we actually figured out that we really know the answer, and that is... <laughs> Scots have short arms and long pockets. <laughs> you can say that as a Brit. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm allowed. Yeah, you're allowed. <laughs> but historically, one of the reasons why is because there just wasn't, wasn't enough trees. Uh, there's, no, there's not many trees in the Caribbean, not much trees in Scotland, so we had to use these uh, used barrels from, um, from areas that had surplus of trees, like the United States and, uh, and places like in, in parts of uh, Central Europe and in France. So um, some of the Scots, the Scots and the Irish would like to say, oh, once that American whiskey's gone out of the barrels, they've taken all the bad flavors away from them and they've left all the good flavors for us. <laughs> That's what the Irish and the Scots say. <laughs> the, interesting thing, the interesting thing is the bourbon barrels have been toasted along the way. Whereas, Correct, yeah. Whereas mm. that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't happen with your rum. Uh, with our particular rum, no, but there are some um, rum distilleries um, in, in the Caribbean that re-toast um, or re-char oh, okay. those barrels. Yeah, I mean, and, and in Central America as well, they'll re-toast. So I know at Mount Gay, they re-toast and re-char. Um, in Central America, I've seen it in Guatemala, I've seen it in, in Puerto Rico, where they rechar those barrels. So they'll, they'll, clean up, they'll clean the barrel with some steam, and then they'll burn the inside of that just to caramelize some of those natural wood um, sugars um, that are inside there. And uh, it'll be either a, either a light toast or a heavy toast. They normally call the heavy toast alligator skin because they'll create that alligator ripple um, skin of carbon um, or, or, um, or toast charcoal as they burnt the inside of those barrels, and then they stick their rum inside there. But it's interesting, the, the, using cognac barrels, which don't mm. go through that kind of process, 
And yeah, it's true. I, re- I remember, was that your, you remember when we were talking to, to somebody about, about quinoa? Mm. And they, they were oh, right, vodka. yeah. They were, making, they were making vodka from quinoa. Mm. Oh, that's right. The, wow. But the distillation, wow. the distillation was done in, in the cognac region in France. Okay, okay. Now, we thought that was so odd to, to grow it here in seemed like, seemed like Seemed like an odd thing to do, but, but then again, why not? Why not? Yeah, I mean, I suppose some of the flavor and the flavor, especially if they're using like maybe a small, a small pot still and capture some of the flavor from the raw material. So um, you'll capture some of the flavor in the vodka um, as such, as opposed to uh, some of these vodkas that have no color, no taste and no aroma. <laughs> um, uh, pretty much spirit, ethanol. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, if it, I think if you're going to capture some of the heart and soul of the raw material, um, inside your vodka, then yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. What they, what they told us was that they, they, they rendered juice out of the quinoa by making what oh. they call the quinoa beer, and then, mm. and then they shipped that to France, and then it came back in bottles. Oh, of, right, nice. I can't remember the name of the company now. Everything's so much more complicated these well, days. Now you, 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 you've been in this business with your partner only for just a few months, you yeah. said a little bit ago. So, um, yeah. so, so talk to us about availability now and in the future. So, um, so we launch in the U.S. We're going to sell some rum here somewhere. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> we launch, we launch um, in the U.S. in June, and, um, and it's just been going from strength to strength. It's been absolutely amazing, uh, mainly online, because as you know, with the, with the pandemic, a lot of bars and restaurants uh, the, or the on-traders has, has um, either not, not reopened or has been slow to, to try yeah. to find its feet. So most of our sales have been off-premise, have been online, and we have a, a great importer um, company called Park Street who, have work, who work with um, an, online, an online distributor called Passion um, Spirit. Okay. So that's where everyone in the States has been buying our, our rum from, from Passion, and, uh, and people have been buying it in, in, in the cases, which has been great because uh, they've either taste it, it gets recommended to them, or they recommend it to their friends. Um, it also helps when uh, you have someone like Richard Seal um, from Bar- from Foursquare in Barbados making your rum because he has a, an, a reputation and a name for making some of the best rums at the moment. Um, some even say he's like the, uh, he's the, uh, his rums are like the, va- the Pappy Van Winkle of the oh, rum yeah. world. Um, yeah, yeah that's, so... That's um, a good name to have. No, oh, yeah, really yeah, we, yeah. We've just, we've just been through a really ugly period. We, we live in Pennsylvania. Oh, right, yeah. Which is a, mm-hmm. a liquor-controlled state. Mm-hmm. So, so right after the pandemic started, they decided to close all the liquor stores. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I mean, yeah. just the opposite oh, no. of what they should have done. Oh no! Exactly, exactly. It was, oh, no. it was a tragedy for 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 months. The, the thing that I the thing that I found is that there is there is a manufacturer of vodka here mm. in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It actually makes very very fine vodka, and they mm. fortunately do did. Online delivery. So, oh, okay. So, so I had <laughs> oh, up, poor you I had, guys. I had to up my brand, but otherwise I was in big trouble. Yeah, <laughs> it reminds me in Barbados. Um, I think it was a, a few a few weeks into uh, the pandemic, they actually stopped the sale of, of of alcohol from the stores, the liquor stores, and all the rum shops, and stopped yeah, the well. distilleries from making alcohol. And uh, that was that was that was a disaster. That was a tragedy for Bajans because. 
Barbados, I mean, rum is part of, part of your everyday life <laughs> in Barbados. To say that you can't breathe, which is what they were saying to, uh, to local Barbadians, you can't breathe by saying you can't have rum. It was terrible. Uh, fortunately, they've lifted that, but uh, uh, they were... They were, they were <laughs> well, we, 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 had about a, we had about a two-month dry period, which, <laughs> which, which, we did, which we did not enjoy. I can imagine. No, one of the things that you're doing, because you're an expert doing this before already, is making cocktails. Yes. So you, you see your rum as being a cocktail star? It's a good, great question because um, a lot of people will say, oh, because of the price of the rum and uh, the, the, the style and how it's made, is it a sipping rum? I always say it's a drinking rum, which means it could be Drunk in any way you see fit. <laughs> if you want to yeah. sip it neat, it, you can sip it neat. If you want it with a couple of cubes of ice, uh, have it with a couple of cubes of ice. If you want it with your favorite mixer, have it with your favorite mixer. Uh, and in cocktails, uh, it definitely works in cocktails that you're really enhancing the flavor, the natural flavors of the rum. So rum Manhattans are absolutely amazing, rum old-fashioned. Um, I even like rum Negronis with it, which we call, um, if you add a couple of dashes of chocolate bitters. Negroni. Oh, yeah. If you had a couple of dashes of chocolate bitters, it becomes a right hand, um, which was named after, a, well, it was created in um, uh, a bar in New York um, by a guy named Michael, Michael McElroy. I think it was um, uh, Milk and Honey. That was it. He created a cocktail called a right hand, which was a, a rum, a rum um, Negroni, but with a couple of dashes of chocolate bitters. So the Equiano works really well in that particular cocktail. Well, I think it's a great product and uh, you're really much oh, congratulated and oh, this is, it's been a hard uh, <laughs> period of time <laughs> but I, I, mean, I must say that even though our access through the state controlled liquor um, stores yeah. despite that mm. the, um, the state controlled liquor stores made more profit during the pandemic, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I can. Like yeah, it was like the it was like the prohibition here all over again. I know, I know. <laughs> but anyway, let, let's let's do that web let's do that website one more time for people. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. So if you want to order line, just go to our our website, which is www.equianorum.com. Um, and then you'll you'll see you'll see buttons saying Europe or the um, or the US. Just click on the US button; it will give you all information of where we can get a bottle shipped to you. Because uh, I think we ship to about 42 states uh, at the moment. So um, sorry for the other eight, <laughs> but uh, it ships to 42 states <laughs> uh, at the moment. It's, it's, it's but, um, a good but, yeah. product, and you're a delightful interview. So it's great meeting you. Oh, thank you. Julian. No, thanks. Thank thanks you. for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For being part of the program and we wish you great oh, no, success you. with your new house oh no cheers cheers hopefully I'll see you guys for a view especially those of you in these United States realize it might, might be a little while before we yeah well we might have to, to have that drink down the UK as well but again we'll, again we'll, get, we'll get it in the meantime we hope you enjoyed this week's program and you'll join us again same time same place next week and until then bye bye